the thing that is not market specific is the number one unbreakable rule of real estate, which is unless you're flipping it, that thing has to cash flow. And it has to cash flow as a normal, long-term rental property. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high-octane boost of full-on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. Ron Phillips, Heather Marchant here. Mm -hmm. Interesting topic today. It's going to be a fun show, I think. Yeah, this is requested, a requested topic, which... Bring on the requests. We actually love it. We love it. Hearing what you want to hear from us, what you want to hear, I guess, is really helpful. So, yeah, we got two in a row that are going to be pretty good, I think. So, this one, and I mean, they're all good, but this one and the next one, I'm actually pretty excited about. We've talked about this in little bits, I think, on a few podcasts, but we're dedicating an entire podcast to this one. But before we get into that, we have a class coming up that you guys can all attend if you'd like. It's going to be also a lot of fun, tons of information. When is it, Heather? I think this week as you're listening to this. Yeah, that's true. So it's Thursday the 24th. We have to record this a few days early so that our awesome people can make this look good and have it up and ready. So it will be at 1 p.m. Mountain, so my time zone, and 3 p.m. Eastern, Ron's time zone. So Hopefully, that would be a time that works for everybody. And it'll run for about 90 minutes is our game plan. It may be 60 to 90 minutes, just depending on questions, which makes it fun. It can be interactive. You can ask questions throughout, which is awesome. But covering the basics of real estate investing, talking, sharing some client stories. So if you've attended one of our webinars before, I would say the content is somewhat similar, but we're updating it every time with new information because the markets are changing. I mean, that is not anything new to everyone listening, that there's been a lot of change happening in the last few months. So tune in and listen. And then if you've already been before, man, we love when some of our veteran <laughs> investors join these calls to help share their perspective for new investors. Yeah. And we love it when our veterans say, hey, would you guys spend a little more time talking about this too? Right? Yep. We try to make it so that it's good for everybody. Yes. So there'll be something to learn, I think, for everybody who attends. Yeah. Agreed. It'd be awesome. So join us. And if you want to join, email us. So today, today's topic of conversation is short-term rentals. Man, all the rage, like everybody is buying short-term rentals. Everybody. Yeah. Buzzword. People not in real estate are buying short-term rentals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People I meet out and about, you're in real estate. Oh yeah. I just bought a short-term rental, Airbnb. I'm like, oh, okay, good. That's great. Good, yeah. good for you. I think most people that I've talked to get into it because they want to have a place to go and have vacation and then they want to buy a place, but they're not going to use it very much. And so they do a short-term rental with it or an Airbnb as people call it. So that's kind of the norm I see. And then I think the other reason people get into it that I've also seen is the crazy high returns that you can make and that they hear about it and they want to get in the game. Okay. So for anyone listening to this who hasn't talked to their hairdresser or carpenter, <laughs> whoever they know that they've met over the last few weeks, 
and haven't already talked to them about short-term rentals and what they are and how they work, a short-term rental is basically just a rental house in an area where people want or need to have nightly rentals and you don't want to rent a hotel. I use them Mm -hmm. when I travel. I use them too. I don't use Airbnb because I had a horrible experience on Airbnb. We rented, have I told this story? No. Okay, so a couple of years ago, we booked a family vacation in Florida. We went down there and we went to Disney first and Universal and did that thing. And then we were going to go chill down on the beach. So we rented a house on the beach for the second part of our stay. We checked out of our hotel in Orlando and we started to drive to the coast and we were notified by our Airbnb that they were just canceling it. What? They just canceled it. No explanation as to why? On our way there, it's not like you can just grab a house on the beach the same day as you arrive in Sarasota. It's not going to happen, right? So literally no reasoning, no nothing, just canceled it. We Hmm. called Airbnb. So turns out they wanted to use it that weekend. So they (gasps) canceled us and they went there. No way. Zero recourse from Airbnb. I mean, understandably, we were upset. We couldn't stay on the beach anymore. Completely jacked up our whole vacation. And it would be one thing if Airbnb actually did something. They did nothing. So we don't rent from them anymore. We rent from HomeAway and at least I think that's who it is. Used to be VRBO or maybe it used to be HomeAway and now it's VRBO, one of the two. That's where we rent our houses. But that's all beside the point. These are homes that you can rent per night and you can rent them for extended periods of time if you want to. And then there's a new thing called midterm rentals, not to be confused with short-term rentals or long-term rentals. And you guessed it, they're like monthly kind of stays. They're furnished monthly deals, right? And the short-term stuff, the daily, the nightly stuff is all furnished as well. So it's very much like a hotel, except for it's a house or a condo or something like that. And so that's what we mean. We're talking about short-term versus long-term versus now midterm. So Hmm. somebody came up with a new term, midterm. So fantastic, right? That is really interesting that they can give a whole classification to that. Okay. Right. So Heather said something that I think is worth stating. The reason that everybody and their mother is doing this is because If you can rent it for 50% of the month at a nightly rate, Mm -hmm. you're going to make a ton more money than you would renting it long-term. Just period, end of story, that is going to happen, okay? Now, there's some challenges with this, Heather, and I'm not sure that the challenges like a couple of years ago before your barber was talking about the short-term rental that they just bought, I don't think this was a problem. Mm kind of is now. There's a few of them. Yes. If you're a hotel owner and this is expanding in the area where you own your hotel, you are going to fight this hard, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, use all the resources that you have to fight a bunch of short-term rentals coming into your local market. And that's what's been happening for a long time. And they're becoming successful at fighting it in many markets. I have a client who's probably going to listen to this episode that owned a couple in Lake Tahoe. And he said pretty much overnight, they were shutting them down. And then you have other clients that I've worked with that have had like limitations on how many short-term rentals can be in a market. Mm -hmm. I mean, Ron, you and I are building in Bella Vista, Arkansas, and that just happened. They just put in legislation in September 
with the local city that they're capping how many short-term rentals can be in the market. You need to get a permit. And if you don't get one of those, I think it was 500 permits, then you're out of luck. And you cannot rent your home out as a short-term rental. And so that's happening across the country. Bella Vista, Arkansas is not a big (laughs) metropolis. That's a smaller community compared to other big cities. And so my client that owned in Tahoe said, the problem is, Heather, is that property values could drop because everyone is selling because they can no longer rent out their home. I've seen that in several markets, Yep, kind of flooding the market with a bunch of houses at the same time. Now, that is a big concern. And that is a concern that you cannot control. Those of you who are longtime listeners, you recall me talking about Section 8 and where I had several properties that were on Section 8. And I knew people who had literally dozens and dozens and dozens of properties on Section 8. And Kansas City changed their guidelines Mm. just like that. Done. Boom. They went from this point system where you could point a house out and make just outrageous amounts of money from Section 8. And they moved it right back down to market rent. And overnight, people negative cash flow because they were buying off of those numbers. So Heather brings up point one. Point two is that this is something that you cannot control. So there's an outside force, kind of like Section 8, who is controlling this. Municipalities can shut you down overnight and there's literally nothing you can do about it, okay? In addition to that, you may not like it. You may want to fight it. It's going to cost you a fortune, but HOAs can also shut you down overnight. Overnight. Yeah. Okay, that brings us to one of the ones that we have talked about on the show for quite a while, actually, and that is you've got to know and vet your numbers. Yeah. I find that a lot of clients, I mean, if you're buying based on short-term rental numbers and anything changes, I mean, just, I guess, being devil's advocate, what if we had another pandemic and everyone canceled all their Airbnb reservations because they had to stay home? And, or if we have economic slowing and people cut vacations from their budget. Which is already happening, by the way. Yes. And it will continue to get worse. I mean, if you guys just do a search on unsecured debt and what's happening with unsecured debt right now, it's a really good leading indicator of what is coming. Mm -hmm. People are increasing unsecured debt right now and unsecured debt failure to pay is increasing. I mean, a lot of people pay their vacations on credit cards. Mm -hmm. If their credit cards are getting maxed out, they can't pay for any more vacations. If they can't afford their current credit cards, they can't afford vacations. And most people, when money gets tight, they don't go do expensive things. They go do nothing or they could do something that is very inexpensive. So that's another thing that could potentially happen to the short-term rental game. And we really don't have a whole lot of experience with this because Airbnb really wasn't a huge thing back during... When did Airbnb come on board? Heather, do you even know when that happened? I don't even know. Now I'm going to look it up because I'm curious. I don't even know, but Heather's going to Google it right now. I can see on her face. She's already started typing. (laughs) When did Airbnb become a thing? I don't think it was around because... 2007 is what this says. Okay. So it started right around the advent of the iPhone. 
And right after that, we had the crash. So it really wasn't a thing. Mm -hmm. Most people didn't know about it until post-crash. So we have no data for what happens after some kind of a crazy crash. But the most important thing, I think, of all of the things that we've talked about is that so many people were so yield hungry that they've chased these and they're making deals that should not have been deals because the yields was so high on these short-term rentals. Yeah. I mean, they're paying outrageous amounts of money for short-term rentals because of how good the numbers were. And the numbers really were that good. Yeah. Agreed. But in some markets- That's the tricky part. (laughs) They have flooded the market with them. And now the vacancy rate has dramatically increased on short-term rentals. And so- This happened with Turo, which Turo was a kind of a young up and coming business model. Some people went in and made a ton of money for a while, really got themselves established. And then everybody else jumped on board, started renting their cars. My sons and I, I think we've talked about on the show, we did a little Turo business. It was impossible to make that thing work. There were too many cars. The market had just gotten flooded with cars. That has happened in the short-term rental market in a lot of the major areas where you would expect to have short-term rentals. Yeah. So vacancies have gone up. I've had friends of mine who are like, man, like the occupancy rates are like 30%, not 50, 60, 70, like they were 30%. That's crazy. And most of my friends didn't buy them off of the crazy high numbers. Most of my friends bought them really, really well, and they decided to do short-term rental with them. So they've made a fortune on short-term rentals but they can turn them back into long-term rentals, which leads to the only way you should be (laughs) buying these, Heather. Literally only way you should be buying these. Yes. And we have said this on this show repeatedly. So if you bought one of these things and you didn't listen to us, Mm -hmm. shame on you because you're about ready to get a lesson in, I don't know, bond market education. You're about to get a real estate education. You're about ready to get one of the painful ones. Yes. I mean, I've helped clients sell their short-term rentals and reposition into long-term rentals, and they're taking a loss selling just to get out of them. Not saying that's the case everywhere, but it could be, right? And so one thing that we've seen is it is possible to make a short-term rental work and the numbers still work as a long-term rental. Like It is possible. That is the way to do it, people. Because look, I have friends who are making a fortune Mm -hmm. and they're buying them over and over and over again. But every one of them is buying properties that they can hold long-term when this whole thing stalls out. And it's market-based. It could be eliminated in a specific market overnight, but it could also just stall out because too many people own Airbnbs in that market. Mm -hmm. And then in another market, it could still be on fire because everybody's still going there on vacation and there's business travel that goes there. Yeah. So it really is market specific like everything else we talk about. But the thing that is not market specific is the number one unbreakable rule of real estate, which is unless you're flipping it, that thing has to cash flow. Yes. And it has to cash flow as a normal long-term rental property, LTR, not STR, okay, or MTR. And maybe for people listening, in case we're like just using a bunch of terms that you're not understanding, just to clarify, if you have a property, a single family home in Oklahoma, right, that can rent for $1,400 a month 
and it cash flows at $1,400 a month for a year lease, meaning long-term rental. But it's in a location that has a demand for shorter-term rental contracts. And we haven't talked about this, but you have needs for short-term rentals that are not just vacation. Yep. Right? I mean, we have a client that is picking up a property in Alabama that's close to the airport in a good neighborhood and also close to a hospital. And they have a short-term rental contract for nurses, for traveling nurses. I mean, thinking outside the box on this, that vacation is not the only need. So that home, if we're using that as an example, switching from Oklahoma and Alabama, the numbers work for a 12-month lease. It cash flows with 12-month lease numbers. And so you're just kicking it in the pants by adding in short-term rental numbers and just improving your cash flow. Why not do that? But it's not backed by vacations and those type of financial decisions that people are going to be making. And it's not super high-end price point. Mm -hmm. So it's affordable, Mm -hmm. which means it cash flows as a long-term rental. This isn't some super sexy big pool and all those things that a vacation home needs to have. This is a good sturdy home in a good location. That said, I have friends who have houses just like Heather described and they're doing incredibly well. Yeah. You just really have to vet these. Mm -hmm. And my friends who post on Facebook about this stuff all the time and are talking about it amongst ourselves, the overarching theme is vet the thing like a long-term rental, like just a normal rental property. And if you can cash flow that way and there's a need in your market for short-term rentals, you're going to make more money. Yes. So go ahead and do it. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Okay. Yep. But when you run your numbers, you can't run your short-term rental numbers the same way that you run them for a long-term rental because the management companies are going to take 20 to 25%, right? You have other costs that are associated with that because you're going to pay the utilities. You're probably going to pay for cable or satellite, whatever it is, internet. You're going to pay all those expenses because when someone shows up there, they want it to be as close to a hotel as possible, yeah. but still be a house. Yep. Or a condo or whatever it is that they've rented, right? So it's really, really important that you think about this in more ways than one and have more exit strategies. The most important being that I can sit on this thing and write it out as a long-term rental. Exactly. And we've had clients asking us for several years for short-term rentals and wanting to build short-term rentals and things like that. And this has always been our messaging. So nothing has changed over the last several years, since this has even become a thing, we've had the exact same philosophy. So we've had a couple markets that we've seen that short-term and long-term rental numbers work. And it's exciting when that happens. But Bella Vista was one of them. And Ron and I were building there. And that was one of our potential exit strategies. And we've kind of said, well, I don't know, that's a good exit strategy anymore because of the HOA and city regulations. And then we had that option in Cape Coral, but it's been taking a really long time to build down there. And we'll just evaluate once the projects are completed and those homes are built because they work for both. Right. They could be long-term and short-term. So it gives you another exit strategy. It gives you options, which is exciting. And allows you to pull an enormous amount of cash flow while it lasts. Mm Mm-hmm. So the people who got into Turo and made a ton of money when Turo was awesome, they made a lot of money. Yeah. And then they ended up with some nice cars. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what happened to us. We ended up with some nice cars. 
So, I mean, not the end of the world, right? But just know going in that this is kind of like that. It can get very, very Mm -hmm. saturated. It can get that way very quickly. And the government can turn on you in a split second and you're not even going to know what hit you. Yep. So just be careful out there, folks. Yes. And there are people who are raising money to do these. So if you are putting your money into a fund that does short-term or mid-term rentals, you need to make sure that they are the sponsor of those syndications or those funds is vetting these properties appropriately and not chasing dollars Mm -hmm. because they have money that they have to place. Oh, so important. Yes. And I'm just going to say it again, okay? Because those of you who are friends of mine on Facebook, you've already seen the post. I am in current litigation with someone who got out ahead of their skis and then made it worse on themselves by borrowing more money and getting more people involved because they thought they could fix it. Yeah. Be careful out there, people. Not everyone who has a big name online is what you think they are. I promise you, I'm not going to get on here and start saying people's names. It's just not who I am. But I'm telling you, I know people personally who are losing properties and are continuing to raise money. Be careful. Vet people appropriately. Just be careful, folks. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse as the market worsens. People are going to try to save their reputations by borrowing money and robbing Peter to pay Paul. It is happening. It will continue to happen and it is going to get worse before it gets better. Good point. I think that's a really good ending point too, is just doing your due diligence. I mean, really summing that up is double checking all of the numbers on long-term versus short-term doing your due diligence if you're investing with someone that's doing these short-term rentals. And asking groups about people. Yeah. Not about the project, not about the company. Ask about the sponsors themselves. Yeah. And ask in enough groups that you can get, because there's a lot of guys online who have a really good reputation, except for with other people who know better. Mm. So ask, because the appropriate people will reach out to you. Mm-hmm. Ask the appropriate people. Yeah, good point. I promise you, you need to. It's important. All right, everybody. Man. Don't be scared of short-term rentals. That's not the message. The message is be smart, okay? Be smart. And until next week, get out there and make something happen. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.